How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I got to check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast. Sort of. Featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome into another edition of Booze and Baseball round episode number 20 here with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. On today's show, we're going to go over some of the stuff that happened over the course of this week. We'll get to our shotgun six pack. But first things first, as always, our throw it back baseball stat of the week. This was on May 18th. So earlier this week, a few days ago, Willie Mays went three for five on May 18th of 1957. He had a home run. Two runs driven in, two runs scored, four stolen bases, just filling up all your categories if you had him in hypothetical fantasy baseball. He would go on that season to lead the MLB in steals, triples, slugging, and he had an OPS over 1,000 for one of five times in his career. He had another where he was at .999, so he was just slightly there. Usually there might be like five guys in a season who get over 1,000 OPS, so pretty incredible from Willie Mays. Yeah, he was, I mean, true legend that you had right there. And uh, those numbers speak for themselves of what kind of superstar he was. Uh, Man, don't you ever wish that you could just go back and see somebody like Willie Mays play? I I would have killed to see even what Babe Ruth looked like back in the day because I I know that there is obviously a difference with the athletes that we have today, but – you can't question how phenomenal players like Willie Mays, the babe. Uh, I would love to have seen Stan Musial. Um, and, and Ricky Henderson was not that long ago, but he was before our lifetimes. And so just to see some of those guys play, I, I think that would have been really, I would love that opportunity. Yeah. I would have loved to see Babe Ruth ripping a heater and then going out there <laughs> and just hitting a tank out there. Um, so what do you, what are you drinking tonight on our uh, 20th episode? I don't have quite the bar set that I had last time. Uh, that will come for our very next show. I'll have a new drink for you guys. Uh, but this one, I'm keeping it a little safer. We got ourselves a cacti agave spice seltzer. I've never had this before. Uh, somebody recommended this to me saying that I would really like it. It's a pineapple version. They said, uh, if you ever had cactus cooler, this is like the hard seltzer version of a cactus cooler. So I'm going to give it a a little open here, a little crack. This is the first time I've tasted this. And wow, that's actually really good. Um, it, it's not the most amazing thing I've had. It, it's got kind of a weird aftertaste. And that might be the agave. But um, actually pretty solid. It's super light. Uh, it's 7% alcohol volume. So 
You have found more flavors of seltzer, seltzers over the course of this show than I even knew existed. Like I knew you had the baby <laughs> I, with White Claw and stuff, but you were just blowing my mind with all these different seltzer flavors. If I could compare this to a player, because this is a, like, like I said, the, uh, the seltzer itself is pretty solid. I'm not a diehard fan of this aftertaste though. So maybe a guy that kind of slows down towards the end of the year. I, I'm going to have to just throw this out. The guy that I acquired from Derek in our league is Byron Buxton. Um, the guy was on fire at the start of this year, and then he gets injured per usual. So, yeah, what you see at the start is pretty good, and then it kind of dies down at the end because Buxton can't figure it out and stay healthy. I, I guess that's what I'll compare this to because it's pretty good initially, and I, I honestly thought, man, this would be killer. I, I'm going to give it around like a, a six and a half, I would say. Well, I'll still drink it. You're going to want to wrap yourself in bubble wrap if uh, it's Byron Buxton there, which I think is so. unfortunate there. But hopefully he has a healthy season. I'm drinking the Amber Ale from, uh, I think it's Alaskan Brewery. I, I don't know. It's just the Alaskan Amber is what it's called. Um, I even put it in the freezer for like 10 minutes, so it got extra chili. That's one of my favorite drinks, uh, the Alaskan Amber. That is, I went to the brewery in Alaska uh, and uh, – one of the cooler breweries I've been to, um, and they're, the, the Amber is one of my favorites. Yeah, I love Ambers in general, and this one is fantastic. It's actually some leftover. I mentioned last week we were building a deck, and my parents bought some of it, and I had some left in the fridge, so it uh, worked out for today's show. Okay, so this week, uh, the theme of this week's show is going to be Dusty taking a parade lap. Um, I guess first things first, we'll just address the elephant in the room, the Giants-Dodgers series, which at time of recording here, the Dodgers are going to get the sweep, barring some like epic collapse. It's, I believe, 11-0 right now, and uh, pretty much the Dodgers just dominated for the Giants from start to finish. The first game was close. Um, the Giants never got the bats working. They only got two hits, but they kind of manufactured a run off an error, and the pitching kept the Dodgers around. But I, I think this might be a reminder that because the Giants entered the series with the better record, and now the Dodgers are going to have a game lead on, on the Giants in the AL or the NL West. I think this is probably a good reminder that there's still a clear distinction between the Giants and, and the top teams like the Dodgers right now, and I think it's it's still a clear indication that the West obviously does run through the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, you can't take away, though, what the Giants have done early on in this season. I do think that it does show the Dodgers slide may have not been for real. It's really hard to figure out exactly what that was outside of the injuries the Dodgers have faced. Uh, they haven't even had Cody Bellinger and Zach McKinstry coming back yet, and uh, of course, they're going to have Tony Gonsolin come back to be that fifth starter in the rotation. So uh, it looks like the Dodgers have kind of returned back to normal. For the Giants, I think that this is a pretty clear indicator, though, that there are a couple pieces away from really making this a true run. And, and I don't think that they're, th this is some sort of walk away the Giants should be you know, holding their heads down. I, I think that they can legitimately make a run in this division. Because as you said, really, both the first two games were awfully close, and the Giants – in game two, they brought up uh, Scott Casimir. I mean, that yeah, wasn't uh, Kevin. Yeah, it was just a weird throwback. Uh, he hadn't pitched since, I think, with the Dodgers uh, back in like 2013 or something like that, 2016 maybe. I can't even remember. It's been a long time since Scott Casimir has been in the league, and I think a lot of us probably forgot about him. Uh, but the Dodgers didn't face Kevin Gosman, who is, in my opinion, the Do Giants' best pitcher. Uh, he should be in the running for a Cy Young Award based off how he's pitching. So I, I don't think Giants fans should walk away with this and say, wow, we are so much worse than the Dodgers. Like, this is that that's not the case. Um, 
Dodgers outplayed them. That, that's just what it was this weekend. And I think the Giants will be making moves at the deadline so that a series like this won't be the way that it ended, you know? And, and so for the Dodgers side, yeah, they have a lot to be excited about because I think that weird stretch that they dealt with, um, it looks like that's in the rearview mirror. Gavin Lux looks like he's kind of more comfortable at the plate all of a sudden. Uh, all it took was that home run against the Mariners this past week that seemed to shift momentum completely for this team. Uh, I do have to say I'm a little concerned about Mookie Betts. Uh, he was a late scratch on Sunday. Um, of course, he was given a day off on Saturday, and you, you thought it was a regular day off. Now you might have to sit back and say, oh, maybe that was injury-related. Um, so we're going to have to keep a close eye on what's the deal with Mookie because he's kind of gotten off to a bit of a rough start this year with a back injury, and now it sounds like his forearm injury. It, so Mookie's got to stay healthy if this team wants to succeed moving forward. Yeah, I'll just touch on the Mookie Betts thing real quick. First of all, it's kind of weird. If you go to, like, his baseball savant page, his uh, sprint speed, normally you would think Mookie Betts, you know, one of the faster players in the MLB, he'll probably be in the 80th, 90th percentile of sprint speed. He's only in the 51st percentile right now. And I say that as a, I don't know, maybe it's a result of the injuries, the back injury. You would think, you know, if your back hurts, you're not going to run as fast or you're not going to run as hard every time down, which is going to result in a lower average sprint speed. Um, but I think that might be a perfect, I guess, symptom of the cause of whatever the back injury to show you that the athleticism that we're used to seeing from Mookie Betts isn't all the way there. And I think it is kind of injury related. Um, so yeah, that, that is scary, but yeah, I was really impressed with Gavin Lux. Um, Trevor Bauer was dominant in that first game. You know, really all the Dodgers starting pitchers were really good in the series. And it almost feels like to me, the Dodgers are ready to kind of have one of these takeoffs, you know, we've seen before where it's like, Oh, they go 30 and 10 in a 40 game stretch or something. It feels like that could be coming up. And like I said, I, I think it's just a reminder for the giants. Like you came into the season thinking, Hey, if we can even compete for one of the wild card spots, that's a win for this season because prospects aren't going to really start coming up till later this year, next year, and the year after that. So this is more about building again to be closer to a contender. And it, it was just kind of a, a rude awakening, though, how it happened over the course of the series. You would have hoped that, oh, they took a game, you know, they were competitive and the Dodgers were just a better team as you expected, but they got absolutely stamped in those, uh, the three game series, mainly the third game to kind of to lead off. So the other thing, that happened for you. You kicked my butt in fantasy baseball this week. Um, and then the third thing for your little parade, your victory lap here, you were all about Shohei Otani as a preseason MVP bet. And uh, right now, I, I think I saw as of, it might've been Friday or Saturday, he had moved up to be the live betting odds favorite to win the AL MVP. As I had said, kind of at the start of the year, I just saw it as, if Shohei can manage to keep that ERA relatively low, if he can even have, you know, 10 to 15 starts that are, that are quality for the most part, uh, he, he's going to put up the numbers with the bat, I thought. I did not, though, see the home run total coming. That is not something I saw at all. I, I thought maybe, you know, 20, 25 home runs. You might even go back in our old podcast. I'm guessing that's what I said. And this guy is on pace right now to hit a lot more than that. So I don't know if I saw the bat from Shohei go off the way that it has. I thought the pitching 
might be even more the reason why he would get the MVP just because he could put up legitimately decent numbers with the uh, offensive side and then put up, you know, stellar pitching numbers. And I think that it's kind of flipped on me a little bit. And hey, either way, I mean, it doesn't really matter. He is right now, in my opinion, he is the MVP. Uh, It's just unfortunate that, you know, you have Shohei and then you have Mike Trout who just got hurt and is out for six to eight weeks. Um, And the Angels still can't find a way to stay relevant in what has been in my opinion, a lesser division this year. So uh, Shohei, I think regardless of how the Angels do, should be the favorite if he keeps this pace up uh, because what we're watching is historic. And, you know, I think a lot of people have been arguing, well, you know, the only reason why he's the favorite is because we've never seen a pitcher and a hitter. Yeah, we, we have it. You know, it, it hasn't happened. So, you know, that that's not a real argument. I mean, like, this is unprecedented. And he's doing great on both sides of the ball. And, and he is putting up elite numbers offensively so if you're telling me that a guy can put up elite numbers offensively and pitch pretty decently well I I don't see how that's not a favorite at at this time so yeah Shohei looking pretty dang good and as for my fantasy baseball team I I think that uh Derek's sugarcoating things a little bit his team played pretty dang well mine uh mine played a little bit over its head considering I have Mike Trout Cody Bellinger now Fran Mel Reyes on the IL Tyler O'Neill on the IL Luis Robert on the IL and Byron Buxton on the aisle. It, it never seems to end. So uh, yeah, no, no, I, I don't think my team played bad. I thought my team actually played okay. You know, I, it wasn't a great week hitting for me, but like pitching, I had a really good week and I still ended up with really good power this week. But like you said, your team was just on fire this week, which was unfortunate for me, but <laughs> it, Hey, it you know what? That's uh, that's what has to happen. Uh, you know, Adolis Garcia, that is the man. If you, uh, I've seen, he is absolutely killing it, and I believe in Yahoo Fantasy Leagues, he's 86% owned, which is ridiculous. I, I, there is no reason why 14% of teams – I don't care how many teams are in your league, that guy should be owned across the board. He's like a milder Yasiel Puig almost. That's kind of what I was yeah. saying too. Yeah, he, he has some of the Yasiel Puig flair to him, and then the swing is somewhat similar, and then the power to right center field – it's actually elite. Uh, he had a walk-off home run against the Astros, then followed with two home runs the next day. So if you're playing fantasy baseball and there's Adolis Garcia and you don't know who that is, pick him up and then research him afterwards. I can tell you, you will not regret it because he is killing it. And he will be staying on my team. He, he is not one that I will be trading because I think this guy's the real deal. Yeah, and if you go to his baseball savant page, there's a lot of red on there, which is a good sign. He does strike out a lot, but everything else he does, he hits the ball so dang hard that it just kind of makes up for it. So, uh, yeah, he has really good minor league stats too. So I'm pretty sure he's here to stay. And I don't know, maybe he'd be the uh, Texas Rangers pick for the All-Star game coming up here in, what is that, a month and a half or so. That's Um, crazy. The only thing that I'm worried about with Shohei Otani to kind of wrap this up though, that velocity drop from his last start this is a guy who in the past has been injured at different points in his career. And that has to scare you a little bit, right? Yeah. I I think it scares me even more so not just for this year, but we have to keep in mind Shohei is very young. And so seeing a, what was it? A six mile per hour drop off, I believe um, that is definitely concerning. Uh, he, He still can locate and he still has filthy stuff. Um, and so even with the drop off, I mean, the guy can pitch as well as anybody out there, but yeah, you have to be a little bit concerned about that. And you, you wonder what wear and tear looks like as well. I mean, he did this in, uh, back, back overseas, but 
you know, to do this on a consistent basis every single day, he, they made a purpose to put him in the lineup on days that he pitches. Um, there's 162 games and we are just two months into the season. It, it is a little concerning that, you know, are you going to wear out Shohei? Like maybe more, uh, off days to be handed to him. I don't really know exactly how you manage that. Joe Madden's got a really tough situation here because his team's not playing well and he's got a possible MVP. He's got a generational talent in my opinion, uh, on that team. So yeah, monitoring Shohei is going to be important and, that that is something to keep an eye on yeah it's pretty crazy I mean when they're both healthy like you could make the argument I'm not saying it's right but you can make the argument that Trout and Shohei Otani are the best two players in baseball and they like can't even go 500 with them when they were both in the lineup which is just absolutely insane but I mean they're they're even doing like the six-man pitching staff and it, I don't know I I think that you are maybe one more long-term injury to Shohei Otani's arm like if he has to get Tommy John or something after already having, I, I thought the last one was a shoulder, but I can't remember. Um, and he has another season ending injury as a pitcher. I don't think you're that far off from basically telling him, no, you're just going to be a hitter from now on, which, you know, if, if he's going to be a guy who's going to hit 40 home runs, like that's not the worst thing in the world either, but certainly it diminishes the value from what he currently is right now with the pitching as well. To go off that point, the one killer would be also can Shohei field a position if that was the situation to go well, you to, can you, DH might, him. you might DH him. You might even put him in the outfield, see if he can, uh, I mean, he, the kid's got a cannon. So uh, there, there are other routes, but yeah, you got to take care of that arm. That arm is super precious and uh, they're not paying him a cheap amount either to be able to go out there, you know, four times out of five a day or a week. Last thing we have to get to before we get to our shotgun six pack, there were two more no hitters this week brings us up to six which is one away from the record this is incredible I mean what do you do with this yeah I mean the league average too is at an all-time low uh I think since like 1936 or something like that I mean it's pretty bad uh when you look across the board and you know pitchers like Wade Miley are able to go out there and completely shut these teams down and I I think that doesn't not to take away from these guys that are throwing these no hitters Spencer Turnbull I mean, this kid is fine. He's a decent pitcher, but there's nothing lights out about him. The, the problem to me is the approach at the plate now and what is actually valued Major League Baseball. Um, I was talking about this on the Dodgers Incline podcast, uh, just about the fact that there are, at this point in time, not many players at the plate that are having an approach outside of launch angle hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And uh, they're okay striking out. And there are less Lorenzo Canes of the past that go out there and try to shoot the gaps, get a base hit, steal bases, you know, hit for a high average. It's almost like that's not valued anymore. And I think the killer for this younger generation uh, that, you know, is really struggling to grasp uh, a love for baseball is simply that the approach at the plate is simply, I'm going to hit it out of the ballpark or I'm going to strike out. There's no more to me at least value as much in home runs I, I don't see a home run live in person and say man that was so cool I saw a home run like I used to growing up as a kid because you know now you have these big boys stepping up and just trying to shoot for the fences and, and that's where you see that drop off an average and I think that that's really making it so that the pitchers have a serious edge on top of that pitchers are better than they've ever been I would call this the year of the pitcher. Uh, John Means comes out and throws a no-hitter the way that he's pitched early on. Uh, Corey Kluber, ironically enough, so he goes from 
pitching one total inning with the Texas Rangers last year. And he goes to Texas this time in a Yankees <laughs> uniform and then no hits them. I mean, like, what a weird turnaround. Poor Rangers. That, that, what can you do about that, right? But, uh, yeah, I, I think that this league needs to figure out how to adjust. And I, I know a lot of people get really upset with the shift. You can beat the shift. It, it is a very possible thing to do if you learn to hit the ball the other way. And so I think that's the big problem is that players are trying to play only to how can I pad my numbers and put the HR total higher and higher and higher. And I think that's where our issue lies. Yeah, but it's – I mean, it's just – it's so hard to string together, you know, three singles to score a run – against all these pitchers so you run into a problem there but I mean you're exactly right like just from a viewing experience as a fan like okay from an efficiency model from you know how you're putting together a roster I get why the home run has turned into it but it, it's almost like baseball has found the most efficient way to play the game and unlike the other sports like like in football, the most efficient way, quote unquote, to play the game is like passing on first down and passing more than you're running the ball. But that's exciting to watch as a fan. The most efficient way to play basketball in the NBA is getting an open three pointer, but that can, or getting a dunk, but that can be the most exciting way to watch the game. The problem in the MLB is the most efficient way to score runs isn't the most efficient or isn't the best way to watch a game, isn't the most. Uh, pleasurable viewing experience because as a fan if a player gets a base hit that is a happy moment right that is a moment that you're clapping you're like yeah there you go but we don't get enough of that it's just the home run or bust pretty much anymore it's just less exciting there's less in the field there's less great plays defensively because the ball isn't as in play so it's tough I, I don't know what they do I think part of it too you can look at the pitching is better than ever I think also um, we could, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in like 10, 15 years, we look back on the pitching that's occurring right now, similarly to how we viewed the steroid era with hitters, just because of like the, Hey, all these pitchers were like ramping up their spin rates and miles per hour and stuff. They were all using substances, whether it was, you know, some concoction they created at home or Coca-Cola. I've heard that's one or whatever, like whatever concoction you're using. And we're going to look back on it in 15 years and be like, yeah, that pitcher was only good because he did this. Similar to how we'll be like, yeah, that batter was in the steroid era, though, you know? And, and it's just kind of the perfect confluence. So I, I don't know what they do to fix it, but I will echo again what I said a couple weeks ago. I do think they deadened the ball um, to allow them more, right. um, I guess, leeway from fan bases, from teams, from players that there wouldn't be as much brushback if they do eliminate the shift or if they do move back the mound because they wanted to make it as, you know, hard of an offensive season as possible. So that when they do make those changes, more people are on board with them than they would. Yeah. I, I really like that take. And I, I'm going to uh, just kind of piggyback off that because I do think the dead end ball has definitely ruined part of this season as well. It, it, it's, it's obvious it has. And um, the MLB doesn't really have an identity. I think that's the big problem right now is that, you know, there's the talk of let the kids play. And then you have Tony LaRusa coming out and uh, being upset with your mean Mercedes for hitting a home run on a 3-0 pitch. And so, the, you know, those cross points. And, and then on top of that, you know, you, you have these extra inning rules where we're going to have a runner at second base and some people are cool with it and most people aren't. And, and I just feel like 
Rob Manfred's touch right now in the MLB and, and understanding what the fans think and what people think, I, don't, I, I think he's done a terrible job at it. Uh, and I think the deadening the ball is just messing with baseball. You know, baseball is a perfect game. And all of a sudden, we start trying to toy with this and this and this. And, and it's really screwing with it. And, I, you know, this is my hot take. I think instead of messing with the game, let, let's, let's fix things that aren't necessarily changing the results of the game. So what, one thing that I mean by that is, okay, if we have a problem with all these home runs, what's the easiest way to kind of go about this? Push the fences back. I, that's my thing. You know, we'll probably get more guys changing their approach. Um, you don't have to deaden the ball. If, if anything, it means that these, you know, former home runs are now warning track flies and they're going to have to adjust, right? Um, it, we're so stuck in the idea of, hey, back in the day, Babe Ruth had this many home runs. And so let, let's look at these stats of, you know, the 1900s and, and let's compare them to now. It is a different era. It, it, it is. And so baseball's got to realize that. And, and instead of trying to fix all these, you know, things within the game that, you know, really actually screws up the gameplay, maybe fix something that doesn't actually change the gameplay. It's just, hey, instead you got some bigger, you know, further fences out there um, and, uh, hey, got to hit some base hits like you would normally in a baseball game. Guys are stronger now. Uh, pitches that are thrown harder, you make contact, the ball's going to go further. It's something you got to adjust to. Yep, there's definitely changes that need to be made one way or another. All right, let's get on to our shotgun six-pack here on Booze and Baseball. This is our speed round. Short answers to all these questions. Number one on the shotgun six-pack. Catching Tim LaCastro stealing is more impressive than a no-hitter has been in 2021. <laughs> this did happen. Tim LaCastro was caught trying to steal a base. Is that more impressive than a no-no this year? So I believe it was Austin Barnes that caught him stealing the base, I want to say. And uh, yeah, LaCastro is the fastest player in baseball, and that is a rarity. I think with the way that the dead ball is, I, it, it might be more impressive catching Tim LaCastro. Uh, just an absolute stud on the base fast. Uh, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from a no-hitter. I really won't. But in this year, just this particular year, yeah, I'm going to say it's more impressive <laughs> catching LaCastro. Well, so he actually got caught stealing again after that point happened. So I guess, you know, he, he had his streak wrecked and then he was just reckless at that point. Um, so he's now he's a mess now for <laughs> his career. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're just playing the numbers game, he's been caught stealing twice in his five-year career and there's been six no-hitters this year. So, I mean, easy choice there, right? Um, <laughs> all right, number two, Tony LaRussa is going to be the reason the White Sox don't win an American League pennant. Absolutely, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, we are not in the locker room, so it's really hard to sit here and say he lost his locker room. I, I don't think he lost the locker room, but I think the decision to not back his guy and, in fact, to go against his guy publicly, it, that was a huge disaster. Um, the White Sox pride themselves on the youth that they have, and I know that Robert and Eloy aren't in the lineup, obviously, with injuries, but even then, to have Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu actively defend your mean while Larusa decided to go full on out and go against his own guy. That that's that's asking for trouble. And it, we're only in the month of May. There's probably going to be some tension or some situation in the near future that arises. Uh, the White Sox are a really good team, but you know, in a baseball season, it's a roller coaster ride. You know, it's never just an an easy cruising. And and in that division where the Indians have pretty decent pitching, the Royals haven't been terrible. 
And overall, the AL is pretty solid. I mean, yeah, they're going to run into something in the near future. And I, I do think that LaRusso will be the problem. I do agree. It just seems like he's kind of already lost the locker room, which we had questions preseason, but we kind of let it play out. And certainly it is not trending in the right direction for him. Okay. Albert Pujols, who's now on the Dodgers and has actually been playing pretty well. They've kind of needed him to um, with all the injuries they've had. He's going to get to 700 home runs by the time he hangs them up. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what he's playing for at this time. Now he's not getting all the starts at first base, but he's getting quite a few, and he already hit his first with the Dodgers, and he had hit it opposite field. You know that the power is still there. He's still got the stroke. The speed is just really where he doesn't have it anymore. He, he is at, if you were on MLB The Show, this guy has like a negative one speed. It's so bad. He, he hit a grounder to like deep shortstop and somehow grounded into a double play. Like no human being should be able to do that. I, I think me just sitting on this couch drinking this cacti, I could still run faster than him on any given day. So I don't know what the deal is with Pujols and his legs, but I think with just the bat as a whole, he still has got it. Um, he's still got power. I think he's happier in L.A. You could just tell he already gave a bat out to a kid. He hasn't done that in years. So, I mean, he just – he looks like he's a happier guy in a locker room that knows how to win. And, and I think that the Angels locker room – we don't know about it. I mean, we, we don't know, like I said, what it's like to be in those locker rooms. But there's something that's been wrong with the Angels. Like, like it's just crazy to me that they had a Hall of Famer in their locker room, and, like, they had this tiny little sign out in center field behind the bushes. You wouldn't even be able to tell. I went to Angel Stadium a couple of years ago, and that's where they had the Pujols home run count. If I had Albert Pujols on my team, which now we do, you have to have that count, like, out there front and center. you got to be marketing this guy. And the Angels just did a terrible job at that. So, I don't know. I think that he's going to be happier where he's at, and that might just produce – you know, more home runs for him. I don't expect him to get there this year. And, you know, he's probably going to have to get there next year or else he's done. So I still think he's going to get there, though. Yeah, to me, it just depends how long is he going to play. If he's going to hang him up after this season, then there's no way because he's 32 home runs away. That ain't going to happen all in one year. But, yeah, if, if he plays all of next year, maybe he finishes out this year with the Dodgers. He hits 14 more home runs, and now he's 18 away. And – He's on a Dodgers team that makes a run in the playoffs. And now all of a sudden you get to next year and his stock is improved because he was just on a winning team and you got to see him in the postseason. And somebody gives him a flyer for a year. Similar Colorado. Yeah. I mean, Ichiro was hanging around on MLB rosters for a while, even after he kind of lost it a little bit down the end, but he ended up getting, um, did he get to 3,000? I think he did. Uh, yeah, he got to 3,000. like a triple in Colorado to yeah. give him 3,000, and that's kind of why. Okay, number four, Wander Franco. He had his autographed top prospect card. It was a 2019 top prospect card. It was sold at auction for $198,000 before he ever played an MLB game. Wander Franco's autographed top prospect card going for nearly 200 k before he plays an MLB game is blank. Well, okay, I, I, before I even answer that word, I, I was reading something just earlier today that Mike Trout, his rookie card sold for $3.9 million in August. Yeah, so um, I guess if you're looking at it in retrospect, this person <laughs> that bought this, they think that Wander Franco is going to be the next Mike Trout. And so, hey, I mean, 
more more props to them, I guess, because if, if Trout can go for 3.9, you would expect that the, the rise of these cards' value will continue to go up. Uh, I know Derek had a nice discovery with baseball cards <laughs> after after he saw this. He can get to that point in a sec. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a little ridiculous. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, you know, people said the same thing about, uh, you know, early on Bitcoin before Bitcoin decided to tank this past week. Uh, if you're invested in Bitcoin, I'm sorry. Uh, this has been a really rough week for you. It has been for me too. Um, so if you're invested in the Wander Franco rookie cards, I guess that's the new thing now that Bitcoin's died. So um, yeah, it, it's a little ridiculous. I, I don't know if I would front uh, that much, but if I had the funds, I'm guessing this person that did can pretty much freely do that and not have really much of an issue. If they do have not, or if they do not have a lot of funds, then this was a stupid idea. I'm, I'm assuming this is just some rich guy and this is just like a drop in the bucket to him. And you're right. If Wander Franco ends up being good, which there's a good chance. He's the only prospect I, I think I've ever seen that has been given an 80 grade hit tool. It's 80 out of 80. Usually they'll be like, well, it's a 70, it's a 75, but they don't want to give out the full 80. So that's pretty incredible. But it is a little crazy before he's ever played an MLB game. There's so much that can go wrong. What happens if Wander Franco has no power and he just comes up and he's like, an enhanced Omar Infante who's hitting like 330 with like no power, you know, like it's, it's definitely a <laughs> possibility. I, I wouldn't bank on it, but it can definitely happen. The, the story you're alluding to, by the way, I was like going through some old cards today because I had been kind of, you know, I, I collected baseball, football cards, all that stuff when I was a kid and I have some of this stuff and I was, I was going over it because I had been listening to, to some other podcasts that were talking about how the card market had been kind of booming ever since COVID occurred because people were doing the same thing. They were going through their old cards, uh, selling them out on eBay or whatever. So I was like, I, I wonder if I have anything, you know, of worth. So I was kind of looking through some stuff today and I found a, a Russell Wilson rookie card, not a football rookie card, a baseball rookie card with him in like a Colorado Rockies uh, spring training jersey. And I was looking on like eBay and like they're, they're going for like 75 bucks. And I was like, wow, this is found money. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to start selling some of these cards. I'm going to go back and see if I can find any other ones that are of value. I think I've found a few others as well. Um, and yeah, it'll be like, I put $20 in my pocket and put it in the dryer and then put the pants on. And I was like, Whoa, look, here's some extra money. So uh, cool news for me, I guess. Kind of, kind of cool story. My, uh, my parents back in 1984, they bought one of those tops card sets, you know, the complete set with all the players. And they've done that ever since then. They have every single tops card since 1984. Uh, and it's just stored in the back closet. So, you know, if you dig into the back of the closet, you'll see this, this stack of baseball cards untouched, <laughs> unopened. And uh, yeah, I, I would imagine we got some pretty cool ones. I know that we have for sure a, a Derek Jeter rookie card. We got the pools rookie card. I mean, any player of this generation, we have the rookie card. So it's, it's pretty awesome to, uh, to have that. And I, I wonder if that one's hanging in there somehow, but that, that's a pretty cool find for you. And I would hold on to that. Don't, don't jump early, Derek. Don't do it yet. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I mean, his baseball value is not going up, but I just did a quick Google search, by the way. Derek Jeter, mint condition. Tops rookie card. Uh, here's one for four hundred and thirty dollars. So that would be uh, more than I'm sure you spent on on the pack of all those. Okay. Probably combined for over the last like twelve years. <laughs> yep, it's it's almost like playing the stocks. You know, you buy a you buy a rookie card of a guy you or a prospect you think is going to be good, and then if he ends up being good, you can make more money out of it. It's kind of cool. We're giving our listeners too many ideas, Derek. <laughs> we're we're gonna have to be shush shush about this. 
All right, number five, <laughs> true or false, Austin Riley is the Braves' best hitter not named Ronald Acuna. False. I mean, I, I, he, Austin Riley had a ridiculous week. There's no doubt about it. Um, that kid's going to be, I think, pretty special. But at the same time, you got to go with the guy that just won the MVP. Uh, Freddie Freeman is – I know he's struggling a little bit this year uh, with the average, but he's still got the power out, output. And you, you have to imagine that Riley will probably cool down a little bit. He's, he's a younger guy. Um, he's still going to go through his ebb and flow of, you know, highs and lows. And, and for Freddie Freeman, I don't think I've seen much more of a pure hitter than him over the last 10 years. He's as good as it gets. And so, yeah, Ronald Acuna Jr. is unbelievable. Uh, but, you know, Freddie Freeman is pretty much as Would good as Would you go third? Would you say Austin Riley's third? Would you go that far? I, it's definitely fair. Uh, Ozzy Albies has started to kind of yeah, turn it up Albies, a little bit. Albies, Dansby Swanson, yeah. who struggled. Marcelo Ozuna struggled. but Ozuna's out. Ozuna's out for me on that. Swansby is uh, out, as we like to call him as well. <laughs> I, I would say – yeah, it's between Albies and uh, I would say Riley for me is that that third best hitter in the team. I, I'd say they're pretty much even in very different ways. Uh, Riley is very much a power hitting guy, and Albies Albies seems to just score runs left and right. It's kind of ridiculous how quickly he he finds his way back to the home plate. So um, you know the Braves have some young talent that's going to be scary for a long time, and I think Austin Riley maybe took a little bit longer than what people had hoped for. But look what the guy can do now. I mean, this is this is probably his peak uh, in in the early part of his prime. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do. I think he's got 35, 40 home run potential. He's been awesome. Over 300 average, over 400 OBP. I would probably go Acuna one, Freeman two, Riley three. Honestly, just for pure hitting. If you're adding in everything else with defense and stealing, then I, I might go Albies over him. But just in terms of like pure hitting, like he's been fantastic. And he even had a, a slow start to the season. So nice. That's to see a lot that. for you too, because Derek is a huge Aussie Albies guy. <laughs> well, you know, what's huge. funny. I was really big on Austin Riley ever since his rookie year. And the, the fantasy manager in our league who has Austin Riley, I've been trying to trade for him like every single year. And I was super into the fact that he was going to have a breakout year this year. I tried to get him in the off season and then he finally lowered his price on him and offered me for like offered him to me as kind of a throw in in a trade like four weeks into the season. But at the time he was hitting like 220, and I was like, okay, I thought he was going to break out, but here we go again. He's just doing the same thing he has the last three years. He's hitting 220. And sure enough, this happened right when I finally give up on him, he does this. So uh, not ideal for me. We, we've learned our lessons on these young guys. Sometimes <laughs> it takes time to produce. Drink, chug, or throw away. You have to give the title to each of these three pitchers I'm going to give you who have a very good past of being a good pitcher, maybe even just a really good year last year. But this year, it just hasn't come together. So drink, chug, throw away. Chug would be your favorite, the one that you'd want to be committed to the longest. Drink would just be the one that you, you know, you're, you're fine with, but you're not committed to. And then throw away is the one that you're just like, no, I want nothing to do with this. Luis Castillo, Kenta Maeda, and Max Freed. Yeah, I would uh, chug with the Max Freed. I think that the youth is there. He had a pretty dang good start against the Pirates. I, I really like what Freed has. I, I'm one of those that believes that starting pitchers that are super young, they don't really hit their peak until around 26, 27 years old. Freed's still got a ways to go. And we already saw signs that he can be an ace. Um, he, he was going into this year the ace of the staff, and I think he's fallen off a little bit. 
but I would prefer Freed over those three. I'd say um, between Maeda and Luis Castillo, I I really don't buy Luis Castillo. I think I would throw him away. I I, I have a really hard time believing this guy can locate well. I know he's got good stuff, but he just creates problems for himself. He puts guys on base too frequently. Uh, Kenta Maeda, I think, is going to turn it around a little bit. I think he's he's had a bit of a rough start, and part of that's just because the Twins as a whole have too. Um, I think sometimes you can kind of get immersed in what, what goes on around you. And I know Maeda is on the older side than Castillo is, but I think between the two of them, I trust Maeda more. So I would probably drink with Maeda, and then I'll throw away Castillo. Yeah, I, I think I totally agree with you in all of them. Um, Freed, uh, just because he's he can locate really well, or at least he has before this year, it, it makes me kind of think that he could be a guy who pitches well long-term. Castillo, I don't know what's up. Um, it just hasn't come together, and the velocity's there and everything. So I, I don't know what his deal is. Kenta Maeda just went on the IL. I could see him coming off the IL and then pitching well after that. It's just one of those situations. So I agree with you. Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget to subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review. We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Audible. You can follow us on social media at Booze and Baseball. You can reach out to our email, boozeandbaseball at gmail.com for any questions, alcohol to review, whatever you'd like. Thanks to the Mix Kit for the stock music. Thank you as well to Man Cave Merch. Speaking of baseball cards, you can get some in your coasters, and it's perfect to decorate around the house or to hold your cold beer like we always have. Drink responsibly and have a good one. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Later.